This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Chapter Tactics, your 40k podcast, which focuses on playing Warhammer 40k competitively at all levels of the game. I'm your host, Pablo PD Pob, and today I have a very special guest, a good friend of mine named George Zathis. Oh, shit, he got it right. The yes. silent T normally gets him. <laughs> uh, George is a really intelligent 40k player. Uh, he doesn't have as much experience with 7th edition as a lot of the other players who played at the LVO, um, but he does have experience with 7th edition, and he does have a lot of experience playing 40k, period. George, how long have you been playing 40k? Oh, gosh, is it 2016? I guess we're closing on nine years. Nine years. And George primarily plays, to my knowledge, Dark Eldar and Orcs. I am an exclusively Xenos player. Exclusively Xenos. Uh, uh, Space Marines are horrible, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, just kidding. I love them. He also hates Riptides, folks. Uh, Riptides are a scourge upon true honorable Tau tactics. Uh, but I play Tau, Tyranids, Orcs, Dark Eldar, and I have some Harlequins to mix and match into that Dark Eldar list. Okay, so so being a pure Xenos player, uh, 7th edition has not been your shining moment uh, Well, from an army perspective. It, it would have been if one of those Xenos armies was Eldar. But <laughs> well, well, now, thankfully, you got the Eldari book, which is actually, it's not called the Eldari book. It's called the Gathering Storm Fracture of Beltan book, also known as the Eldari book or the Inyad book. Or the broken Eldar shit book, I believe, is another term you guys might hear have heard it from. Uh, basically, that's what we're going to be covering today. We're going to be talking about the fracture of Beltan book, and specifically, we're going to talk about not only what it does for Eldar, the faction, not Eldari, but actual Eldar, but we're also going to talk about Dark Eldar and Harlequins and what it does for both of those factions because it actually does a lot. As George was talking to me pre-podcast, pre-recording. This, this book lets you feel a lot better about putting a Dark Eldar list on the table. That's good. Now, now if only we could get the same Tyranid and Orc treatment, that'd be kind of cool. Actually, Orcs are, orcs can handle their own, as I've, I've found. Gathering Storm 7 and 6 and a half coming seven, through. <laughs> Gathering Storm, Hive Fleet, We're Good Again. And Gathering Storm, Wa 15. Gaz goal three. Uh, yeah, uh, Revenge of the Gaz. Revenge of the Gaz. Um, but I'm pretty sure Commissary Arc is going to find another way to just ruin that book. Oh, it'll be great. Yeah. Okay, so on to the book. Today we're going to be talking about specifically our first impressions for the book. I know I have a couple first impressions. I know George does, and I know you guys also have first impressions too. Uh, it's, it's very... It's a, it's a good book. It's the second edition in Gathering Storm. Uh, the fluff from what I've read is amazing. And we're going to talk a little bit about it because it's, come on, it's essentially the 40k end times. They're progressing the storyline. This is a big deal. I know this isn't a fluff podcast, but I'm going to talk a little bit about the fluff because I kind of like it. It's Everything 
is literally exploding in 40k. It's literally. It's amazing. It, it, the book begins with an explosion that that I think is pretty hilarious. Anyways, we're also going to talk about the three, the triumvirate of Inyad. The three characters, or the two characters, they're all characters, but the three characters that you get in the book and the rules, we're going to talk about the formations you get in the book. We're going to be talking about the war... Born Detachment, I believe is what it's called. The Inari Specials, uh, I like to call them the Super Cads, uh, which is the latest addition to the Super Cads, the third one. Yep. The other uh, one is the Castellans mm -hmm. and then the Admech one. They're everything a Cad uh, wishes it could be, except for Obsec, which is the most important part of yeah. most Cads. Unless you take Kodias. <laughs> Unless you take the man with the eagle. So reborn, the reborn warhost attachment is what it's called. And then we're going to be talking about the warlord trait. And then we're going to be talking about the very powerful strength from death rule. And finally, we're going to be talking about the Ulthway task force, strike force, which is basically the black guardians, the black uh, wind riders, the black. Yeah, the special forces. The special forces. Beltan. Yes. Yeah, and we're going to talk about that, and that's pretty much it. We're going to go over the whole book, and George has a lot of interesting things he, that he's uncovered. And then at the very end, we're going to hit up GW with uh, an FAQ questionnaire that George has created. Um, basically, what needs to be FAQ'd, uh, with a couple of things about the Armies of the Imperium, the Castellans Attachment, and the Fall of Cadia book, too, because that also hasn't gotten an FAQ. So GW, if you're listening, we're going to have an FAQ at the end. Go ahead and just skip to that if you don't care about the rest because you guys did just write the book. So I'm sure you guys don't mind. You guys have already read it. But yeah, so we're going to have an FAQ. And then if you guys have any questions, uh, what you think should be FAQ'd, what kind of list you guys have been homebrewing and cooking up, if you guys have already played with the book and you have experiences, I'd like to hear about that. Go ahead and put that in the comments down below on frontlinegaming.org. And of course, put your FAQ questions if you have any. That's important. We got to push GW. They've been doing a great job with these FAQs. On to the Triumvirate of Inyad right after this commercial break. Yo, get off the computer. I need to check eBay. I got an auction ending soon. Wait, what are you doing on the computer? I'm just buying some minis online. Are you saving money? Nah, dude, saving clicks. Time is money, right? Hey! What the heck was that for? Dude, you gotta buy from Frontline Gaming. They offer savings on minis every single day and up to 25% off Games Workshop stuff. Whoa, that's better than saving clicks. With all that savings, I can take a few days off of work so I can paint these minis. Ow! You gotta stop that, it hurts. You know what hurts? Spending three weeks base coning models. Save yourself some pain and get them painted by Frontline Gaming's painting studio. You know what, you've got all the answers. That's why I'm glad you're my best friend. I don't know what I'd do without you. I could never hurt you. What are you looking up on eBay? I'm uh, selling a bunch of old models. Don't really use them anymore. Why aren't you going through Frontline Gaming's secondhand store? You can get money or store credit. I think you broke my nose. I don't like your tone, mister. So I'm just gonna say this. Head over to FrontlineGaming.org for more details. back if you guys are wondering who the actors are in that commercial it's actually the life after the cover save guys blake and ed they did media coverage at twitch on the twitch stream at the lvo they were fantastic they're funny guys uh if you were watching the twitch stream and you know some of the commercials from the the event the con going on that was them 
They did a great job. They did a funny commercial. Anyways, on to the triumvirate of Iniad. Starting off... Actually, no. Let's go to first impressions. First My mistake. Impressions. First impressions. So, George, you open the book. You kind of thumb through it. What are your first impressions in the book? Oh, man. These Inari guys look a lot like Sanish models. They kind of do. Uh, I guess there's some theories that... Uh... The Slanish and uh, uh, Yivrain, the, the god of death, uh, that they're kind of two sides of the same coin. And so uh, they look pretty similar, less because the Yanari look not like Slanish models, but because Slanish models look like Yanari guys. Um, aside from that, the fluff is a pretty good time. It's full of awesome art and... Great, you know, all sorts of cool shit to look at. What about the rules? Um, oh, boy. Oh, boy. Those rules. The rules are pretty crazy. Uh, in, in kind of the possibilities they open up, one of the things I really like about them um, is that the rules are very strong and give you a lot of options. But with those options come a lot of choices where it's possible to make the wrong choice. And okay. I really value that in a rule where it is flexible enough to both make the correct and incorrect play because that lets players grow and learn and feel accomplished as they acquire a sense of mastery over their list. And you're, of course, talking about the strength from death rule. Um, specifically strength from death. Yeah, yeah. and I agree. A tactically, it, it basically promotes sound tactical play. Uh, because you, like you said, you you have these options. Do you do you run? Or I'm sorry. Do you shoot? Do you move? Do you assault? Do you shoot a specific unit? Do you move a certain amount of inches? There's so many factions that the player actually has a control of that they can easily make a wrong decision and it can cost them. Even though it is a free move, it's actually deceptively a double-edged sword. Uh, because if your opponent, if your opponent is unfamiliar with their capabilities as an Eldar player, which as the growing number of Eldar faction players can testify, Eldar isn't as easy as just putting down a net list on the table and winning with it. Um, there are a lot of Eldar players that pick up the list and don't do as well with it, maybe because they don't have they don't have experience with the army that they're playing, which is a which is a thing you need to do to play well, to play tactically sound. You need to have experience with your army. Mm -hmm. uh, so. If you are a guy, you know, if you have your, your Chaos Space Marines, or if you have your Tyranids or Space Marines or whatever army you have, and you're playing another Eldar player, Dark Eldar player, Harlequins player, you might find yourself uh, in a position to do well because they picked the wrong uh, Strength from Death rule. They might have they might have picked the charge and then passed the charge and then realized, oh shit, my Howling Banshees actually don't do very well against Space Marine tactical squads after all. And then you might all of a sudden have an advantage there. So... I, I like it. I, I like that. It, it's also a very strong rule for, for players that it's know what they're very doing. Very strong. For players that even, know what they're doing. <laughs> even for players that are just picking up the game. That's true. Shooting twice, if you just take the rule as this lets you throw more bullets around the table, is very strong. Yes. But the fact that it gives you the additional options to grow your tactics is one of the reasons I like it so much. Right. And it actually, it, it's something that I think... Dark Eldar and Harlequins need. Uh, th I think they need a rule like Strength from Death, uh, not to become relevant at the competitive table, but just to have fun games with. Uh, Dark Eldar and Har Dark Eldar and Harlequins are one of the factions that people are widely regarded as, as really underpowered uh, to the point that people sell me Dark Eldar armies all the time on the secondhand shop, 
And if you want to sell your army to the secondhand shop, you can email frontlinegamingsecondhandshop at gmail.com. Though, as I've pleaded before, and I'll plead again, hold on to your armies. Don't don't sell your Tyranid, Dark Eldar, and Harlequin models wholesale. Don't just, you know, because I mean... With GW, with with you know the eighth edition rumors, with the FAQs changes that they've been doing, they're really turning over a new leaf. And I feel like this is the year to have hope and to maybe hold on to your army and not sell it and maybe just wait it out. Uh, so that that being said, Dark Eldar and Harlequin players, you definitely have a reason not to sell your army because of the strength and death roll. Also, the fact that you have two of the most beautiful lines of miniatures in all of wargaming. They oh, do. Man. Harlequins and Dark, Harlequins Eldar, and Dark Eldar are. Eldar. Are beautiful, which is real so shame. It's a real shame because, uh, uh, like you, George, you your dark elder don't see the tables as much as they used to. Uh, when I do play, I actually like to put my dark eldar on the table just because uh, it's a feeling that I I got a lot back in fifth edition with my tau, where you put them down on the table, you look across the board, and oh my god, everything is terrifying. <laughs> um, and it's it's a it's a nice rush and a good way to. I feel like it gets me in the zone of respecting the outputs of enemy models and, and, and looking at the game in ways where I need to protect my guys, but also leverage my, my strengths against a foe that I like to look up as, as the Goliath and I am the David coming into a lot of matchups. Yeah, and I think a lot of people agree with that sentiment, George. Uh, I know James Carmona, a friend of mine, he's been on the podcast a few times. He's a Chaos Space Marine player. He, oh, he was, he's a Chaos Space Marine primary player historically uh he's recently switched over to the cabal star and some people say would say he's not a chaos space marine player that's completely untrue he has as you as you would have also put it been playing 40k on hard mode uh he's been the david to the goliath battle company or goliath riptide winger whatever have you whatever goliath list you're up against and he also likes the challenge too oh i i know exactly what you're talking about i know james and that man maybe not uh, always in the list building phase, but he always hunts down those Goliaths for enemy generals. He, he does. He is always thirsty for those 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 big tournament winners. He always wants to prove himself to them and, and pick up what he can. I think that's always a really admirable thing, um, regardless of the level of you know going to a tournaments or just playing in your local shop that you're playing in, is to seek out the challenges and try to get better and to learn from your mistakes and figure out oh this worked well this didn't and uh that's one of the reasons why i really value um playing these armies that sort of force you into that mindset it does make your wins more sweeter absolutely so first impressions for me uh i pretty much the one main first impression i got from the rules part of this book uh was eldar got more tools just like space marines got more tools Mm -hmm. with the the Castellan's detachment in the Fall of Cadia book, just like they got more tools with the traitor, not the traitor powers, the Adeptus Astarte psychic powers from the Angels of Death book and the formations in the Angels of Death book, and just like they got a a little bit of boost from the Imperial Agents book. Space Marines didn't need all that stuff. They were already a really powerful unit, or a a a really powerful, not unit, a really powerful faction. And Eldar, I think, are in the same boat. I think this gives them a lot of tools it'll make certain eldar lists stronger and probably let, let them see more play you might start to see less Tautar lists and more pure eldar lists because of these mm-hmm. in the top tables but predominantly i feel my first impression was was eldar already got they got something else that 
Eldar players may or may not use because their faction was already so powerful. But Dark Eldar and Harlequins got a big boost. For sure. Uh, but staying on Eldar for just one more second, one of the things I really do like about this book is um, Power from Death is such a strong rule that it definitely can send a lot of Eldar players back to kind of that list-building phase of playing 40k where they start toying around with okay, well, these units really need battle focus, but these guys don't need it as much, and maybe I can leverage that with the detachment of the Inari guys. And I, one of the things I do like a lot about the book is it gives you options that are worth considering. That, that's actually a fair point. Uh, I think Eldar, if, if the netlist, quote-unquote the netlist, it, it is a thing. Uh, it's also a much hated thing in the 40K community in general, on the online 40K community. And... This definitely counters netlisting a little because if of all the factions, the Eldar faction is easily the most netlisted faction by a mile. Uh, you see Wraith Knights all the time. You see Wind Riders, Hornets. You can't you um, can't say oh yeah. he brought a Space Marine army right because you'll think like oh White Scars Battle Company maybe they maybe they're Raven Guard maybe they're cheeky maybe Space Marines because your opponent is not a Space Marine player maybe you just meant Dark Angels. Maybe you meant Space Wolves, because when people think Space Marine armies, they, they think Power Armor more than White Scars Battle Company. But when you say he brought an Eldar army to like a, a tournament or a competitive, a really high-level competitive setting, mm -hmm. you think, oh, he brought Wind Riders or Wraith Knight. Maybe some more, probably Warp Spiders, even though people don't bring Warp Spiders as much as they used to. Yeah. Um, if Tautar definitely brought just a Riptide Wing, he definitely didn't bring Kroot. Kroot didn't make his list a Tautar list. It was just uh, Riptide Wing, Wraith Knight, Wind Riders... Uh, if he was feeling feisty, maybe a warp hunter, yeah. uh, but it's generally the usual suspects. And as George and I found out when I was trying to just retool my warp company list, which is, if you don't know, it's a Gladius Strike Force battle company, White Scars battle company with 30 warp spiders. Yes, I know it's cheesy. I do run it. It's actually not very common. It's actually not as good as you think it is, but I was trying to kind of retool it using the new book and a lot of options open to me. I think I'm also really going to stick with not changing list the way it is, but I did like how there were more options with that this book gave me. And it really, I really want to sit down and kind of play with the points costs and see if I can add in like fire dragons or something. Yeah, for sure. Uh, specifically with that kind of list, you get to the really interesting decisions of how important is that six inch run right. it's versus very important, the ability the to annihilate two tanks a turn with the unit of fire dragons who definitely aren't as mobile, but do the job a little more forcefully yes and so that revisiting the list building regardless of your uh competitive aspirations is something that definitely comes with this book yeah now with my battle company list i think i'm gonna obviously i think battle focus is stronger uh, so basically my first impressions were uh my first impressions or elder got more options dark elder and harlequins got better that's an old, a long story short, TLDR. Straight up. Harlequins yeah. literally didn't lose anything. No, uh, they, they didn't. just get the rule for free. Yes. And what's even more important for Harlequins is they get access to a big boy cad. They, where they a big don't, boy cad. They don't have to bring their dark, uh, their, their Harlequin um, weird formation with mandatory elites and a bunch of troops required um, because. As you may not know, the Harlequin faction doesn't have HQs, so it's impossible to put them in CADs or allied detachments. And so I think you'll see a lot more of the Harlequin models on the board now because you can just take uh, whichever ones 
fit your purposes right. in, and you the, can, in the book. You can almost take it a pure Harlequin's army. Yeah, the only thing you'll have to do is get an HQ from one of the other factions. Right. And there are a couple of... You could tool up an Autark to be really Harlequin-esque in, in how he feels to play. And you could do the same with a like a Dark Eldar Succubus, who also plays kind of that crazy run-in-and-hit-him-super-hard play style and, and kind of fade away when you can. So Harlequin's just instantly got a big bonus from this. And then anybody who knows Dark Eldar can definitely attest. Uh, power from Pain isn't very powerful. So losing that is not a humongous I had I had someone detriment. had someone online, uh, not going to mention any names, not going to mention where it was online. They were trying to argue that Power from Pain was better than Strength from Death. Uh, they were like, oh, army-wide Feel No Pain is, is such a, an amazing, overpowered thing. Um, and then you get army-wide fearless, too. You and know, in an army that wasn't <laughs> predominantly tough three, I might be inclined to right. agree. I would love to have army-wide fearless with, more, but... <laughs> with, like, a battle company. Ooh. I mean, yeah, yeah army-wide fearless and a five-up Feel No Pain on a battle company would be stupid. Yeah, I mean, people already run Iron Hands, and that's right. only that's a six-up Feel No Pain. <laughs> um, so, so not to poke fun at that guy, he obviously... he. He obviously plays Dark Eldar and probably plays people a lot differently. I uh, probably doesn't play as in a tournament setting. Power from the Pain is not as good as the others. If, in a more in a more friendly setting where you're playing at your local gaming store or in a garage or even a small RTT, Power of the frame, Power from Pain can be kind of strong sometimes because you will you you have a better chance of getting to that turn six and that turn five to activate the Feel of Pain and Fearless. Uh, you have a better chance of not losing as many models um, because people aren't trying to roll your army off the table. So that's that's power to that player. That's just their experience. Um, but in general, I think you're not going to find a lot of people who agree with him. So anyways, on to the Triumvirate of Inyad. George, unless you had any other first impressions worth mentioning. Uh, I do want to mention a really wonderful piece of fluff in this book oh, that I absolutely love. Um, because one of the only space marines I can tolerate is Aramon, because he's got a very tragic trying to do the right thing, but losing his uh, humanity or his space marineanity significantly <laughs> in the process. Um, he has an encounter with the uh, Yvrin. with with Yvrin, the new uh, one of the new characters, and. They're in the middle of a big fight with his thousand sons fighting some of the Eldari forces. And he does a big crazy spell to like detach them from reality for a little bit. So his badass, uh, badass walking suits of dust guys can mow down the Eldar. And Yvrin realizes, wait a second, I've heard of this Aramon guy before. I know what I should do. And she basically calls him out and she's like, Aramon! Cut this out. I've got what you want. And he's like, no, you don't. Prove it. And she's like, okay. And she snaps her fingers. And five of the, like, dust thousand suns guys shake and jerk and shit. And then you start hearing voices coming out of them. And they're like, brother <laughs> Matthias, what is happening? It has been 10,000 years and I have no memories. And Armand's like, what? What? And then he loses focus and his spell drops. That's so great. So it's, and then it gets better. Because Yvrine's still an Eldar, right. which means she can't do nice things for other races. 
So she snaps her fingers, pops open a warp rip, and sucks the guys she just brought back to life through it. And Armand <laughs> loses his shit. It's amazing. <laughs> See, I, I do love the... The fluff in this book is basically Ivrain through a series of unfortunate events, making lots of enemies. Yes. She's just like, oh, I, who have I not pissed off today? Uh, you know, Vect? Oh, well, let's piss him off. Um, you know, she unleashes Tyranids on Kimura, uh, not intentionally. And that's the other funny thing, too, is all of the stuff is ha- really happening to her intentionally she's not really a mary sue oh she's more of just like a hero kind of like being dragged along oh yeah i actually really like her in the fact that she's about as far from mary sue as possible because she achieved this role as this as representative of the god of death um by screwing up at being a dire avenger and getting kicked off the craft world screwing up at being a pirate and having a mutiny as a corsair uh, going to Komara, screwing up at being a witch, and basically getting killed. To, to be fair, she was a pretty good witch. She was oh, yeah. she was uh, one of Lilith's rivals, um, and that was the whole big deal behind the opening of the book is that she could rival Lilith, um, and then she died. Uh, so I won't spoil too much, except that's the first pair. That's like that's in like the first two page, pages, yeah, page. um, because that's how she becomes a. Uh, that's how she gets her like. That's how she becomes important, basically. So she gets a really smug-looking cat. Yeah, it's it's basically how she becomes important in the book and how it gets started is she has to die. Um, and so she's basically kind of the chosen one and, quote-unquote, the chosen one. And I haven't read through the whole fluff book. It's really fun. I'm not going to spoil anything other than that, though. Uh, it's real good. Anyways, on to Ivrain. On to the Ronald. The, the rules, I don't think, match the fluff in her case. I would have really liked to have her have a big psychic power that gets buffed the more warp charge she uses to, because that seems to be kind of her thing in the book, is is she's kind of a surprising... She's sucking up all these souls and gathering all this psychic power when crazy stuff happens to her. Um, so And she does, like, this cool things that, uh, like, even, even fucking Armand probably couldn't do, right? Like, she, she's really powerful, Just but in to- kind of, like, a, a growing way. So yeah. I feel like she could have used like a warp charge three, four, and five power. That would be kind of cool, and maybe made it something cool and interesting. You can't step on Big Magnus's toes like that. Well, not after he's so gigantic and and so beautiful. She couldn't match Magnus. His, that's that's for sure. With his All, big wings and his giant horns. Although if they did meet, and I don't know if they did or they didn't, but uh, if they did meet, I imagine Magnus would destroy her, and then she would, through a series of unfortunate events, piss him off. And, and then escape into the know. warp, and he would be another person on her list who wants to kill her. I think that's very appropriate. <laughs> so Avery and the rules. So she has she has a four-up invuln, and this is actually kind of cool that GW put this on there. She has a six-up armor save. Uh, GW basically said, hey, we, we know grav is a thing, so we're just going to give her a six-up armor save. You know, because she has that four-up invuln, and we don't need to, need to give her a four-up armor save like they normally would do. No, this right. was a take that space marine. Right, they're like, move. no, she's going to have a six-up armor save. Then she has, like, no armor on. She has a dress. Yeah, she has a dress. She's uh, she's protected entirely by her her magic Eldari stuff. Yes. So she she's Eternal Warrior, which is good. Uh, and that's a common theme throughout the book. And that's a common theme, actually, throughout all the big characters. Well, not all the big characters. Well, it's nice because since they represent a god of death, I right. think Eternal Warrior is really thematic here. Normally, sometimes they throw it places it shouldn't be, but here I think it feels at home. Personally, I personally I think Eternal Warrior is a 
is an underused special rule that you weren't playing I, during I really, fifth edition pablo maybe you're don't right. worry it was everywhere then <laughs> um i i just really like that they gave it to an iconic character um first they made an iconic character in avery and then they gave it to her so she has eternal warrior uh, fleet independent character psychic mastery level two more on that later uh strength from death which is more on that later again mm -hmm. and she's stubborn so she, you know she, she the unit she joins is pretty good speaking of the unit she joins all of all of the triumvirate have this nifty ability where if a model, an Eldari model, not an Eldari, not, unit, not a unit, and model. not a friendly or enemy model, just an Eldari model, dies within seven inches of either her or the Visark or the Avatar, you get something on a four plus. So in her case, it's she immediately regains a lost wound, which they all do. They all regain a lost wound on a four plus. Mm -hmm. And then if that model was a psyker, you add one to her mastery level to a maximum of level four and immediately generate another psychic power for her. Yep. So George, you brought up an interesting thing about this role. Yep, and this is just kind of a, a look at things to come in our FAQ section. But it uh, in the same sentence, it mentions giving her a mastery level and getting another psychic power. It caps the mastery levels with parentheses, but doesn't cap psychic powers. So does she just keep generating them until she learns every psychic power in her disciplines? I think I think that's what she. I think that's kind of how it was intended. Personally, I think she just keeps learning psychic powers, but only mastery level four, um, which I think is a fair compromise. I, it it says and generates another psychic power, so I think the English is pretty clear there that they're two separate things, and the generating another psychic power just happens. Yeah, and she would just keep going to mastery level four repeatedly, just like I'm mastery level four now, and I'm mastery level four again. Oh, yeah! Don't forget my favorite part of the model: the Grinx familiar, the <laughs> smuggest cat in 40k. It's, it's a it's a pretty cute it's a little lynx. Pretty cool little lynx as its cat. I, what is what is up with um, GW's obsession with with griffins and mixing them with other animals? Well, Grinxes are actually super old, like second edition. Oh, I see. Like, they're, this they're, is this is actually a callback. Oh, I She's see. like some weird psychic pets that the Eldar had. Oh, okay. So, so this is not, they're not pulling this out of nowhere. I this thought it was cool. like a griffin lynx, you know, like, I guess the spelling's different. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So, so she, it gives her D3 extra warp charge points that only she can use. So she generates a little extra stuff. Yep. And if you have some psychic models die around her, definitely she can go up to four. She can start generating up to seven warp dice. You know, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's, that's not bad, uh, especially if you start picking up power. She only can take Sanctic, which is cool for Vortex of Doom because she can generate so many warp dice for herself. So she can fire off Vortex of Doom from Sanctic. And then, of course, she has access to the Revenant disciplines, which we'll go over later. Those are the the disciplines that Eldari get. It has a psychic power that, under the right circumstances, I think is, at the very least, very close to Vortex of Doom tier. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and then she also has a strength four instant death melee three weapon, and um, AP three. She kills AP3. the space marines all day long. She she kills wraith knights. Actually, no, she needs strength. She gets uh, hammerhand. She, she can start killing wraith knights. Hammer she got it. She's, she's got on sixes. <laughs> um, so she's she's okay. She's she's pretty pricey. She's two hundred points. Uh, I don't think she does that much for two hundred for a two hundred point model. Um, but she is a like a nice addition to a, a warlock council or uh, seer council. Uh, when you have a lot of cheap psychers i don't know if the warlocks because they're they're brotherhood of psychers um so i don't know if if the each warlock model is a psyker model i think they all are so i think if those warlocks die then 
then you would maybe get the level one from that. So that'd be kind of cool because in a way you'd be getting more warp dice from those warlocks than what they were providing. Mm -hmm. um, or if they're not, if obviously if they're not Brotherhood of Psychers, then they're obviously, you know. Right. And one right. of the nice things you can do with uh, both Yvrain and the one we're going to talk about next, the Vysark, is uh, since they both regain wounds when Eldari models die around them, you can kind of use them as uh, almost like a MMO drain tank where they'll take a couple hits and lose some wounds, and then you'll start look out searing wounds off of them so they can regain those wounds back and begin tanking for the squad yeah, again. That, that's really good. That's actually, I think that works a lot better on the Visarch. He's which, got a three plus save. Right, so so let's go ahead and go on to the Visarch. So he's he's uh, Everain's badass bodyguard slash potentially ex slash potentially future lover. Something I think, like that. So he's, he's got a badass like incubi sort of suit yes. with a sweet... Uh, Probably wolf pelt. Hard <laughs> yeah. to tell. He's, uh, you he's never know what GW may be substituting for real animals these days. <laughs> um, so his deal is that he he's he has a cool sword, re really badass sword that makes units within or enemy units within three inches of him use their lowest leadership instead of their highest, uh, which can be kind of interesting when you start taking into account some of the Dark Eldar leadership shenanigans. I'll uh, talk about the three codex leadership uh, shenanigans later on. Okay, so George already has that covered. This is uh, a pet list of mine. <laughs> it's not good. It's just funny. Uh, his his uh he he uh, blah blah his thing where he regenerates wounds. He also increases his attacks characteristic to a maximum of seven. So that can be kind of nifty. Uh, his sword is strength five, AP two, two handed, and then has a silence rule. That's the one that makes them lose their lowest leadership. And he's Eternal Warrior Fleet, independent character, Precision Strikes, which I think is pretty neat. Uh, Rampage, so he gets Rampage even more the attacks. Here. That's that's pretty cool. And then of course Strength from Death and, and Stubborn. Stubborn. So so he's just kind of like a he's he's cheaper than Everine. He's 150 points. He's kind of more of a backline terror. He's, he's not very fast. I I kind of look at him and see uh, a very Drazar esque model uh, who is the phoenix lord more or less of the dark eldar incubi he's nice. really similar to incubi in a lot of ways he's got the ap2 sword it's strength five um he shares their lack of assault grenades oh initiative one baby um that doesn't have an invul save which is very strange for a guy who's supposed to be going toe-to-toe -to -toe with the most badass close combat threats in the galaxy but uh with uh with Champion of Yanid, where he regains his wounds, he might be able to get away with it. Just watch out for challenges. This guy may want to have sit it out. Somebody else take that challenge yeah. for him. Yeah, he's 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 okay. I do like the fact that um, he gains wounds back. That's cool. Yep. That's just like all the mix actually with Eternal Warrior, like George said, was mentioning. I think off podcast um, makes them all really tanky. Just just yeah. in general, like a drain tank. Right. Take some hits. Other people die. He gets the health back. Right. Uh, so, but I don't think you're going to be seeing him very much uh, apart from in in lists like like uh, triumvirate bombs. I think where you have all three of them. Yeah, there's a formation where you get all three and they get some bonuses. Yeah, uh, so, you'll probably see him in that kind of thing because he's right. required. But I don't think he's going to. I don't think he's going to see a lot of even even at the friendly level. I don't think he's going to see a lot of play. I don't but know. He's a badass that, model. That so model so maybe really nice. people might use him just because he's badass. Yeah, he he's, might get some play because he's badass. He's but, also a badass uh, character too. When he goes mono a mono versus that Iron Halo Chapter Master with a power fist, <laughs> you're probably. I, I just he want, may, he may not stack up. I just want GW one day 
to make all those badass fighter models like Karn, uh, Lilith, the the emperor the emperor's children sword dude Lucius, uh, Lucius, yeah, uh, Cato Sicarius, the the champion duelist from Badab Wars. Like I just want one day just GW to either give all those guys. Uh, their own separate game, like a Coliseum game, where you can use them all and they can all actually be badass. Kind of like that uh, Chaos one that they the, released for Age right, of Sigmar. Sigmar. Right, the Blood Blood Gore Gore Chosen, Gore, Gore Chosen. Yeah, Gore Chosen. Gore Chosen. Blood Gore Skull right. Chosen. Right, GW, if you're listening, um, hopefully you haven't fast forwarded to the FAQ part of this podcast, um, and hopefully you're listening to this. That would be uh, an awesome game. I would just love it if you got like. Even, even maybe not the Swarm Lord, but Death Leaper would be kind of cool because Lictors are supposed to be real fast and they're supposed to, you know, fight witches and, you know, be real strong. And Death Leaper's probably like the best of all, one of the, you can make him the best because, you know, why not? He's a named, uh, named, the those things. I can't, uh, Lictor. He's a Thank Lictor. You. Yeah. I can't believe I almost forgot Lictors. Names of Lictors. It's not hard these days. <laughs> Sad, but true. Um, so... So Death Leaper, that'd be kind of that'd be a kind of cool game, but I think we're digressing a little. Back to the Eldari at hand. Yes. So we're gonna go to the Incarn, who is the avatar of Inyad, who is I think clearly the best out of the three. Hands down. Yeah. So she, he, she, he. It, uh, this it, is the most Slanishi model. Yeah. That I, I've seen in a while. It's, it's, well, she's a she's a demon. He. Oh, I'm gonna yeah. say it's a she. Why not? Because Avatar it, of Cain was clearly male, um, and this one's a little clearly not. Male or female? I think. Does it say in here? I'm pretty sure they just say the Yincarn every they didn't, time. I don't think they assigned it a gender identity. Good call. Keep us guessing. So, so the I'm just gonna say she. So she's a demon. Uh, she deep strikes. Yep. Which is kind of cool. Eternal warrior fleet preferred enemy demon slash uh, mastery level three psyker, which is pretty big. Still has a strength and death roll. Her cool thing is though is that she regenerates wounds on a three plus, which is which is great. And then whenever a unit is, yeah, whenever a unit is slain, friend or flow, completely destroyed. So this, this rule is called oh, Inevitable it's Death. Unit. Wow. It's, it's basically... It's insane. Sorry, I was reading it and yeah. I dropped Inevitable Death is basically the reason you're going to take uh, the avatar if you need here. Because it uh, does compete with a slot against a Wraith Knight. Um, That's insane. So, and so what happens is ahead. anytime anybody dies anywhere the avatar can go there teleport to where that unit died it has to start in deep strike reserve but it can pop onto the table at any point at any time in any phase where something died even if it's in deep strike reserve even if it's in deep strike yeah. reserve. so so essentially it gets a if you're an eldar player so you'll definitely be able to destroy a unit yes. period and it automatically goes in there no scatter just appears wherever something dies. And that's a you may, that's not a you must. Right. So she doesn't just bounce around everywhere, you know, all willy-nilly because things are dying. She can tactically go to different, wherever you need her most. That that's First off, that's insane. Yep. That That's really good. She also has a three-up armor save, not like the Avatar of Kane, who has only a five-up in Vuln. Oh. Uh, which, is, which is actually pretty key. She's really survivable. Um, five wounds... T6, so not not crazy survival, typical monstrous creature stat line, but uh, a strength six, strength six AP2, fleshbane, armor vein, soul blaze, sword is nothing to seize at with six attacks, mm -hmm. and of course she has the ability to she has the ability to regain lost wounds, 
if her Eldar friends die around her, which, which I mean, as you, you were talking about when you were you're crafting lists to kind of build around the strength from Beth book, which I think is kind of the big theme around this book, is a lot of models come in, there are a lot of models that are really mobile and they come in from weird angles to kind of all pull together so they can stay close together so you can take full advantages of the strength and death roll, right. which which I think is kind of a cool cohesion that GW added into the Eldari faction. It kind of, it plays exactly the way you would expect the faction to play, uh, which I think is neat. And then it also yeah, it, it takes it, full advantage of its one unique rule. It very much incentivizes you to build an up-close-and-personal, in-your-face kind of list uh, that's very different than what you expect from uh, basically anything but Harlequins right now. Yes. And, and uh, one, one, else, of, the, one of the big things that I think you're going to see with uh, the Yinkarn here is you're going to see people being very careful about when units die in each phase. Because you can't charge the turn you deep strike, but if your opponent kills a unit or crashes something or loses an assault at the end of their turn... You pop in right there, and you're free to go. Yes, because you have a movement phase before your assault phase. Right. Right. So players are going to definitely want to watch out on both ends for opportunities to sneak this thing in during your opponent's turn. Also, uh, it's she's a level 3 Psyker with Demonology Sanctic, with the Demonology Sanctic discipline, which I think is cool. You can give her a 4-up invuln in there. You can give her a hammer hand. Um, Cleansing Flame is really, really good. If you just want to bounce around and if you, for example, if a unit dies and you can just go in there and then next turn you have, you have a perfect cleansing flame target, right? Because right. cleansing flame is a nine inch Nova strength five AP four uh, D's two D six hits. The, uh, and the Eldari unit. have their own nine inch Nova they, they do. strength three AP two. Yes. Very rude. Yes. So, so, so she could potentially fire off two Novas after something dies and she can be right there. Um, the big problem with Nova's is unit is model positioning, which I think in the Incarn's case is not is not really a thing. And sorry, when I was reading her role earlier, I, I only stalled out because I just realized the fact that it could be any model friendly or foe. I thought it was it had to be Eldari models, um, but it's yeah. any model. So, Anything dies. So you're you're playing a battle company. You can just bounce around everywhere. Just... You can even watch out for some fun stuff like using your first Nova power to kill a unit. And then teleporting to where that unit was, so your second Nova Power hits more units. Yeah, your, your Lots vortex of crazy stuff like that. Uh, a vortex of doom because you you have access to the sanctic discipline. A vortex of doom could scatter onto a unit, kill that unit. You can go over to where that unit is, and then on your turn, psychic power. You can strength from death to charge something after you kill something with cleansing flame, because she has the strength from death roll. Yeah. So so it, it the model is insane. It's going to be everywhere, literally. Everywhere on the table and in every, events, every corner of your board <laughs> will have one of these. Yes, somehow they'll sneak four Lords of War yes. Avatar of Needs onto your board, and you know what? It's going to be legit. Not only that, too, she's going to be everywhere physically. Every, you know, like you're going to go at three a.m. You got to use that restroom. Go in there, turn on the light. Guess who's staring at you? Because something just died in your restroom. What died in your bathroom, Pablo? My my, my bathroom's a dark and dangerous place. Kind of like the grim dark of the 40k future. Uh, there's there's no coming back from it. But anyways, it's because my wife made me clean the bathroom this week. Uh, so so I I'm, I did the best I could. Uh, but anyways, the Incarn it's a, it's a really great model. Uh, there's a lot of shenanigans. There's a lot of potentially potential ways to outplay your opponent. There's also a lot of ways to really mess things up. Um, if you if you go 
if you teleport somewhere and you have no way to kill a unit and teleport back and you put yourself in a bad position, you're only a six inch moving model. You're only a monstrous creature. And you're not that tough. You have a three up armor save with the grab shots which just tear through that. You only have a four oh, up yeah. invuln save at the most. Uh, you're a demon, um, but demon, al or Eldar can't ally with demons in ITC in most major formats because of come the APOC. Your opponent's going to have to get real charitable to grimoire you right, yeah. that way. Well, I mean, yeah, they can just grimoire you to give you a minus one invuln, which I think most people are going to do. That's, you'll see that, I'm sure. So, so she's not very mobile, so you have to play, or she's not very uh, uh, durable. So you have to play real cagey with the incarn. Uh, which I think is cool. I think it's it's one of those tactically flexible, really unique models, uh, rules wise, that uh, that I've I've seen in a while. I guess uh, Celestine's pretty cool from a rules perspective because the we we haven't really seen a model like her. Celestine's rules wise, she's also real. really powerful. She's I feel like <laughs> Celestine's a lot more brute force than this. Yeah, uh, when Celestine dies. She didn't die. She's right, coming back. Right. Um. The the thing is though is if they went toe to toe, I would actually prefer the Incarn over Celestine. Um, from an army building model rules wise perspective, just from an overall competitive perspective, I think the Incarn is a better model than Celestine. And that's saying something. Celestine's really really good. Well, the best part is if if the Incarn's losing to Celestine, it can just kill something else and it'll leave. That's true. It it it'll it'll say deuces to a fight that's not safe. Yeah. Yeah, and then I th the Fleshbane in Arborian is huge. They actually made the Incarn lethal, which I th think is kind of cool. So, okay. I there think you we've go. got some formations here. The Triumvirate of Inead, not much to see here. Uh, you get 12 inches. Uh, you have Fearless within 12 inches if you're within two inch 12 inches of two of the models. And then if all three of the models are on the battlefield from the Triumvirate of Inead, uh, you can add one to the rules made for the their special rules that give them wounds. That can be really good for the Avatar because you yeah. get wounds on a 2-plus when models die, when but, Eldari models die. But unfortunately, if any of the three die, you lose they, it. You lose the rule. Or so. if, if, if for some reason one of them are off the table, which that might happen with the Incarn if, if nothing dies at all if nothing dies all game <laughs> you'll never get you'll just lose your incarn every time because <laughs> nothing died all game which is very 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 unlikely uh, so the formation's not that good it's okay i think the big thing is that these three models want to be in armies that do different things yes that's that's 100 percent true the 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 visark just kind of just wants to be in an army period he just wants to be loved uh, but the the, Ibrain, the street corner with a sign. Right. We'll fight. <laughs> we'll, we'll fight, fight for, for food. food. <laughs> uh, the Ivrain wants to be, and I think a specifically a Death Star army, an army that will protect her because she's not very durable at all, uh, and take advantage of her ability to be a mini gunboat slash kind of a tank in a weird way slash I'm gonna buff you guys a little bit with Hammerhand and Sanctic. So I think she kind of belongs in a Death Star of some sort yeah. an eldar like she a seer needs, council she star. needs something to protect her yes absolutely and while they intend for that to be uh the the vice arc i think other other models in both codexes in all three codexes do it better i think you'll get some pretty good mileage if you hook her up with some like uh, unit of racks or maybe even some mandrakes who have a good cover save to keep her safe <laughs> you know did you just suggest everyone to bring a unit of mandrakes george uh, well, okay, I do, I've done it too. Don't worry. All I'm going to say <laughs> is that that's false advertising. Mandrakes aren't in the Yanari faction. Oh, take that, guys. Sorry. For what it's worth, 
three-man Mandrake units in cover are really obnoxious to get rid of. They are. They're they're not. They're not. They're un. They're the unsung heroes well, of average competitive wise games. Well, <laughs> the problem is they take your elite slots, and you have way more important things to be doing with those in the Dark Eldar list. I thought the troop slots were the only important thing in the Dark Eldar Codex. Uh, no, you can also buy Venoms and Fast Attack. Oh, but. Anyways, elite slot. <laughs> so, so the next, the Soulbound and Vanguard. For the Soulbound Vanguard formation is two units of Dire Ventures, one unit of Incubi, one unit of Witches. This is just your basic troops formation. Uh, while a unit from this formation is joined by a Visarch and or Ivrain, add one to the weapon skill and ballistic skill. Uh, this bonus does not increase the characteristics of Visarch or Ivrain, just the unit that they've joined. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also get Furious Charge if you're within seven inches of one of the other units in the formation. And finally, you can make a Soul Burst action on a 14 instead of a 7. That's it. it, it it's kind of cute, um, but the models that the formation requires you to bring are not that good. Yeah, this book does what it can to help out witches but witches are in a rough spot incubi actually i think are a really good fit for this book um, yes. because there's a unit that had problems with overkilling stuff before and that just means you get to do another charge okay or, or a number bad. of other fun tricks with them now so i think incubi are actually not not that bad in this formation um their avengers are also solid but the witches are kind of your your tax for this and the the benefit may not be worth bringing the witches yeah. uh, but but it is a uh, it can be kind of cool if you brought for example big blobs of those units I, I don't know how many you can add maximum i think it might just be a maximum of 10 I I, witches I, might... I have the eldar book right here i can find out about dire avengers incubi definitely go up to 10. yeah it's only up to 10 for dire avengers too uh, bad witches may go up to 20 but i've never seen anybody insane enough to put more to than run 10 on the witches. board that would, that's because that's how many you put in a car. That would, that would be kind of cool to run a unit of like 20 witches and then maybe give them Hammerhand with Ivorine. Uh, put the and Vice Ivor- in front of him. He can play Bodyguard for them. Right. That's actually not a terrible Right, idea. right. And he can just look out Sir to them to regain wounds and then he can tank a couple wounds and then look out Sir. Oh, I was wrong. Witches can be units of 15. Oh, not 20. Not 20. 15 isn't near, doesn't have that quite that oomph as oh, It doesn't 20. have the oomph of yeah. 20. But, but anyway, so it's, so you might want to use that uh, just as a large model count, a large model count army. That might be kind of cool. Um, but for the most part, it, it's not that great of a formation. The Eldari Blade Host, just two units of witches again. Look at them. Uh, two units of Storm Guardians and or, or Black Guardians uh, and two troops. Uh, you get to, at the start of the fight subface, two units from this formation are locked in combat with the same unit. They gain the hatred special rule. If three or more units from this formation are locked in combat with the same unit, they gain preferred enemy for the phase, which is really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it incentivizes you to gang up on other units. Which you should be doing anyway. Yes, but absolutely. the next rule, United in Death, is the reason you take this formation. Yes. And what it does is, if any of the units in the formation are eligible for Soul Burst, you can have all of them take one. Which, which is really good. Yeah, it can let you do some really sneaky stuff. Uh, basically, it's a good way to chain a little soul burst explosion of actions on one part of the board into another soul burst action on a different part of the board. Uh, another soul burst thing, kind but... of works in waves, where you'll kill one thing and that will let something else activate to kill another. Yes. And the one of the benefits of this formation is it will let you take something say on your half of the board and then activate the harlequins on their side of the board to start a whole new chain over there so 
so to not get, in, I don't want to get into too much of a rules discussion here, but there's a little bit of a rules conundrum here. I don't know if it's in your FAQ list, but I'm just going to lay it out here now. Uh, if you have an independent character with the soul, the strength from death rule, and they're joined to one of these units, do they still get the strength from death? Um. Well, that's a good one for the FAQ. Yeah. My so, initial assumption is that uh, units that join formations don't get their bonuses, but I'm right. not sure. Right. So I, 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 judging from how GW has ruled in the past, I'd probably say no. I would imagine, judging from the way they've ruled in the past, the unit minus the independent character would be able to soul burst. So now, which soul would burst be kind specifically of, says the whole unit has to do it. Right. Which is weird. Anyways, GW FAQ. That's definitely something for the GW FAQ. On to the next formation, the Inyad's Net. This is my personal favorite out of all of them. It's it's kind of cool, kind of unique. Uh, it's a Warlock Conclave, which is pretty good. Uh, wind Riders, a unit of Reavers, and a unit of Skyweavers. So you have four right off the bat fast units that already get extra formation rules mm -hmm. because formations give you free rules. The first one is Acolytes of Inead. Whenever a unit from this formation destroys an enemy unit or is itself destroyed, put a dice to one side until your next Psychic Phase. In your next Psychic Phase, the Warlock Conclave generates an additional Warp Charge Point for each dice set aside this way. Uh, that, that's kind of all right. Uh, it boosts the Warlock Conclave a little and kind of promotes that Death Star-esque thing if you have Ivrain in there. Um, so she'll generate extra warp dice. Uh, they'll ex generate extra warp dice. And you can also maybe combo that off with Strength from Death, which is kind of cool. And then the next one, which is, I think, my favorite rule in the entire book for formations, the net is cast. All units in this formation must be set up in reserve. Haha. <laughs> Make a single reserve roll for the formation in each of your turns from the second when you can choose to re-roll, which you can choose to re-roll. So you get to re-roll their reserve roll. So they're, they're going to hopefully come in. Mm -hmm. When this formation arrives from reserve, each unit moves onto the table as described for reserves, except that each unit must move on from a different table edge, including your opponents. So you do the math. There's four units. There's four table edges. That means you get one on each table edge. It, for, for a flexibility... For, for for flexibility for movement specifically from an ITC maelstrom perspective that's I think that's really good I think just having like the warlock conclave come on to your opponent's edge and then maybe have someone like Ivrain join them so they kind of have like a mini little beat stick unit in your opponent's backfield that they have to deal with that's kind of cool I also like the idea of sticking a bunch of reavers I don't know how many reavers you can take in a unit I think but it's like either five or ten. 10 i think it's 10 reavers the point is is that there was a guy recently at or at the las vegas open who almost made the top eight with a dark eldar list that featured an obscene amount of reavers more reavers than you would expect like three dozen yeah it, it was it was an off metal list and i was i believe lawrence baker from tabletop tactics who's a really good player there's a great battle report scheme i love i love listening to him we watch his battle reports regularly here when we're trying to improve our own battle reports so lawrence baker from tabletop tactics brought his a kind of like a really unique dark eldar reavers list if you want you can hit him up and find out more about the list or you can go to best coast pairings and look at the list i believe he was ninth or tenth place i'm not 100 percent sure but he was basically he was super close from getting to the top eight it was a one point loss away from making the top eight and he did well with Reavers. So my point is, is that maybe Reavers are secretly anti-meta and not bad. I would personally really like them. Well, they're definitely good, especially for a meta where people like taking Brimstone Horrors. Because um, they do D6 Hammer of Wrath they attacks? They do like D3 each, and then you buy the Strength 7 one for the the Strength 7 D6 hits, upgrade for Blade Bane. Right. Um, 
One of the things I really like about this formation is that since everybody's on a jet bike, this rule can never backfire. Um, even if you don't want to put somebody on a table edge, they're so maneuverable, I think the minimum distance any of these models can move in a turn is like 36. No, the minimum distance is 12. And then they turbo boost. So, so the maximum distance they can move. Oh, the max, oh, the max is 36. Yeah, no, the max is like 48 because they're jet bikes. Oh, 30. Ah. But they move far. They move far. Yes. And so this rule gives you a lot of flexibility for where they pop out. And then it also just lets you get out of there if it's a little too hot. And you can do some fun stuff with this sort of uh, play style. Um, I'm going to talk about a little bit later with, with um, Strength from Death because it really lets you leverage that movement to play kind of a hit-and-run play style that feels very Dark Eldar rather than the skirting at the edge of their ranges and winning by inches and whittling them down. Yeah, and, and personally, I, I think if I were building a list uh, out of this book, I would actually use any odds nest just net just from just from a fun perspective, and I would max out all of these units. I would have ten warlocks, ten reavers, ten wind riders, all with scat bikes because of course, and ten sky weavers. Um, so those scat bikes are deleting unit a turn, mm -hmm. uh, hopefully because they're scat bikes and they have ten scatter lasers, uh, and then that unit is deleting a unit a turn, and then the that's generating warlock points, uh, who in turn maybe could channel that into some pretty kind of cool powers and then of course you have your reavers which are are kind of threatening things and the 10 reavers is actually pretty cheap all things considered and then i have no idea what the sky weavers do but i imagine they're a pseudo i know harlequins are have pretty good shooting um so i imagine they're a pseudo they're uh, more of a charging scat bike. okay so they, they want to go in throw their one shot blast template weapon and then charge in okay so either way i would i would use i would put 40 bikes on the table and then put them in different parts and then use a, a unit like the avatar or another really mobile eldar unit maybe warp spiders maybe swooping hawks uh, a unit that can get to where they need to and then create kind of four hot spots on the board and have your opponent deal with all of them so and then each each of the bikes is mobile and similar so you can kind of actually tool them to where they need them to be. If you need the scat bikes to be on an objective and in a position to shoot at the rear armor of something or whatever have you, they can do that because they can come off from a table edge. The warlocks can come on something, maybe cast a psychic power, do something kind of cool. Uh, and the reavers can obviously threaten a backfield unit where they won't hopefully get shot at and killed. And then of course the sky weavers can do the same thing. So it's cool. It's flexible. I like yeah, it. It's definitely, I think it's, uh, the the big winner of the formations. Yeah. So the next one, the next one might have some legs. Yes. So the oh, next one, go ahead, uh, is called the Whispering Ghost Hall, and it's it's got a pretty big list of mandatory things, but it definitely allows you to bring a play style that I've personally seen a lot of people like to have. You need to bring one Farseer, and one Shadow Seer, which is basically a Harlequin's uh, Farseer, if you're not acquainted with that codex. Uh, and then a Spirit Seer, who's a Psyker that specializes in the Wraith Constructs. And then you bring two Wraith Lords, who have been absent from tables for a very long time, but <laughs> are still tough eight three-wound monsters that are hard to kill. And then you bring any three units of Wraith Guards or Wraith Blades. And this is basically a one big formation for the hit-them-with-a-bunch-of-Wraith-guys strategies that i've seen a lot of people really enjoy using especially wraith blades 
usually you don't see one unit of those. If someone's bringing that, they're committed to the list, and they're going to have two or three, and I think that's the exact kind of person who's going to want to take a look at the Whispering Ghost Hall. Yeah, it, and it gives you, it gives you minus the Wraith Lords, which I think are a pretty bad tax um, in terms of points costs and what they do. They're cheap. They're like 100 points if you just go sword with them. Hmm. Let's let's find out. Actually, I've got the Eldar. While Pablo's right here. looking that up, I'll let you guys know what the uh, formation actually gives you. Um, it gives you a special rule called Reborn Souls, which lets the non-character models in the formation re-roll to hit rolls of one for enemies within twelve inches. So this is basically custom made for the Wraith Guard and their Strength D gun, uh, and it also works on your close combat attacks which is great for your Wraith Blades. Yeah, 120 points. Also, yeah. guys, uh, I apologize for those of you who pulled out their hair and quit my podcast when I was talking about the Avatar. The Avatar of Kane also has a 3-up armor save. <laughs> Sorry, Avatar of Kane. <laughs> my mistake. Oops. All um, right, and then I believe the other rule is uh, Spirit Whispers, which is a fun little one that is minus two penalty to the leadership tests for enemies locked in combat with this for fear. Yes. Oh, and it gives everybody fear. If I didn't mention that before. Yeah, it gives everyone fear. It's it's okay. It's I think it's really strong, in the sense that uh, you give you're giving them rerolls to hit of one, which makes just the wraith blades. Everything is better because right. your shooting attacks right. are also within twelve inches. So yeah, it's kind of like getting a little bit of preferred enemy in there for units you were probably already taking if you were taking a themed yeah. list like this. And uh, most importantly, it's which is a th this combination is a very common theme across all tables, especially for Dark Eldar, is uh, Webway Portal dudes with the Wraith Blades. Webway Portal um, Incubi. Not Incubi. Uh, Archons, Archons or Succubi. Archons or Succubi. So, so Webway Portal Archons with the Wraith Blades is already really popular. Uh, there's no downside to, to putting them in with the Wraith Blades because there's no formation rule that has to do with just this specific unit that happens on this specific reserve or something. So you can actually put them in Without having to worry about any penalties, and then you you know your wraith blades get better, so you get three units of wraith blades. It's not bad. Um, it's kind of cool that you can put an archon in with the webway portal into a unit of wraith blades, and then trigger strength from death, which I'm sure we'll talk about more a late a little bit later when we get into strength from death. That archon is a battery. Yeah, he's not a model; he's a battery. Yeah, um, but you can you can for example, I don't know when you use the the pain armor or the the relic that makes that removes models on the leadership tests that uh you... the amius Fiate maybe amius Fiate. it's a it's a nine inch bubble where models take leadership within nine inches of you and uh, and is it an activation you do it instead of shooting so oh i see it won't synergize super well since the oh. unit's got to be in close combat with the minus twos Darn. but it will affect models in shooting right that are in combat so you have another unit charge in, and then you can definitely not use the rule at all because the minus two penalty to leadership is only for fear checks. Oh, when taking fear checks. Never yeah. mind. All right, Whispering Ghost Hall. You've disappointed me for the last <laughs> time. Uh, we're going to go on to the Forces of the Inari book. Uh, where the Forces of the Inari part of the book. Uh, we'll go over the Warlord traits and the artifacts first, and then we'll talk about the Strength and Death roll because I think that's going to be where the real meat of this is. I'm excited for that part. The Warlord Traits table, it's it's above average in terms of Warlord Traits tables go. It has one really stupidly good Warlord trait, which is the Warden of Forgotten Wisdom, uh, which lets your Warlord pick their powers, all of them, without any penalties. Just pick the powers you want instead of rolling them. 
or generating them. Yep. Which is, which is huge. So if, if you're Farseer, it's not, there's no independent characters that automatically get this Warlord trait, uh, which is, I think, in good for GW. Um, yes. Because, you know, it would have been really strong. That specific character would have been extremely strong otherwise because most Eldar get access to telepathy. Uh, they get access to Sanctic. They get access to the runes of battle, their own personal Eldar disciplines. Visibility, so, fortune. Fortune, uh, divination, prescience, hammerhand. Psychic shriek. Sanctuary, psychic shriek. Uh, you, uh, Vortex of doom. The list kind of goes on, and it's a really strong world of trait. You, you, you pick it, and then you, you essentially don't have to worry about the three powers that you need the roll for. Um, so in a sense, it's kind of like... It's kind of like a power that you need to roll for, like invisibility, in a sense that you need like a one in six chance to turn it on. But instead, a one in six chance with a reroll, if you get the reroll warlord traits, mm-hmm. um, which you know, hap- which is divvied out everywhere, pretty much. You're you're gonna get it because the only way to really use the forces of the Inari was with a uh, yeah the big formation detachment. Yeah, the that super comes cat. In next, yeah. Uh, so so that's a really good one. Uh, one is you can also have it when I'll die. That's that's okay. Um, that's kind of cool if you use it with something like the Avatar, uh, just for another way to get back lost wounds, uh, speci- specifically later on when a bunch of models are already dead and you don't get those the ability to give yourself regenerating wounds. Um, so it will not die for that model would be kind of cool. Also, the Warden of Forgotten Wisdom would be really cool, the one that lets you pick the psychic powers with the Avatar oh, as well. the Avatar for because sure. Because the Avatar is just like, well, I'm just going to pick Hammerhand for Strength 8 Armor Bane. Uh, and I'm also going to pick Sanctuary because I really want to Forp Invuln, or I really want to start slanging Vortex of Dooms no, everywhere. No, the Avatar is all Cleansing about flame. the big daddy psychic power of the you, need table. Oh, well, we're going to get into that. We'll get we're there gonna, soon. Yeah, we're going to get into that uh, a little bit later. But uh, basically, uh, Walker Many Paths, you get to choose Furious Charge, Hit and Run, or Move Through Cover at the beginning of your following turn. Uh, which is pretty cool. Fury's Charge is, is obviously good for Eldar because they're all strength three. Move through cover is okay. It can give that Visarch that. Oh, no, he's still striking at initiative. Ne- initiative mm, one. Never mind. Yeah. Because you because you're you're just not slowed by it, so you still go. Anyway, anyways, do you give him hit and run though? Okay. Hit and run on the Visarch would be kind of cool. Hit and uh, run, I feel, is going to be something that you'll see in a lot of these armies because of the ease of getting Harlequin characters all over the place, and they all come with hit and run stock. But, oh, well, so, you know, eh, okay, so that one's a Walker Mini Paths is all right. It's, it can be pretty cool for the, the Furious Charge, especially if you, if you equip them, if you put your Warlord in a large unit of, like, Witches or some unit that kind of needs Furious Charge to do a little bit better yeah. damage. That would be kind of cool. It's a good buff uh, power. Master of Death, which is okay. It's a, you, to wound rolls of six for any of your Warlord's attacks. Those attacks gain the instant death special rule. That's kind of cool. The Ruthless Commander, which is... All units within seven inches of your warlord are fearless. All friendly units with within seven with the Inari faction. Um, so it's not any units, just the Inari faction units. Uh, and then finally, you favorite of Inari, which gives you fourteen inch soul burst actions instead of seven inch soul burst actions, which is the strength from death roll, which yep. we'll go over. So it's okay. The the warlord, the, I think it's still an above average warlord trait table. Yeah, there's uh, only like one or two that you're not really that you'd really be unhappy with yes and there's definitely a clear there's a clear one that you that you're strong one that fishing you're rolling for, for yeah yes uh with the the artifacts there's one that's when the bearer destroys one or more any models in the fight subface uh you roll a die and then on a four or more the bearer regains a lost wound um that one's that one's okay 
you want to put your warlord in close combat with or your your character in close combat um there's not really a ton of eldar characters that uh can take relics that you want in close combat the dark eldar ones the dark can, eldar ones can get tooled out for that and right it's also actually a little it, thinking about that now that could go very well on like a uh solitaire a harlequin solitaire because then he can start regaining his limited amount of wounds because that man's a blender right uh this one i really like the hungering blade if an eldari model is killed by this weapon before any casualties are removed by the the wielder has any lost wounds restored that's pretty cool it's pretty fun it's, it's very situational very, it's, uh, despite very all of my mad science i have yet to find a way for you to kill your own models with this sword uh flesh pain so so if you do find a way to kill your own models you're wounding them on a two plus that's good it's a strength user um, weapon so it needs something like that yeah. um but it's it, it's okay the hungering blade is it, it's all right uh the lost shroud which i think is the big winner from the relics your warlord has eternal warrior film of pain and it will not die uh which which is cool but you lose the independent character special rule it's very it's reminiscent applicable. of the sixth edition eldar relic that made you like a little one man stealth shrouded going on a secret mission uh piece of war gear that also took away independent character but uh I'm not sure if this one's really worth it at 35 points. No, I mean, it's, I think it's clearly the best one, but we'll let you guys decide when we go over the others. There's Mirror Gaze, which gives you blind counterattack and night vision for 30 points. Mm, mm. That's, that's all right. Blind is good. Blinding can be really strong on the right character who's dishing out a lot of you know a lot of hits uh, and shooting or in close combat. Um, sometimes if you blind a Wraith Knight or Imperial Knight, that's all you need to do because they're snap shooting. Uh, which yeah. is, so it's kind of cool. So the fact that you can give a, a unit or a model blind uh, is kind of cool, especially when you have so many different weapon options in things like the Eldar book and the Dark Eldar book. So that can be kind of cool. The Song of Inead, which is a weapon, a shooting weapon, uh, Poison 2 up, Bladestorm Death Song. Bladestorm is when firing a weapon with a special rule. You wound on a 6 automatically, and it's resolved at AP2. So it, it's basically the Warp Spider monofilament the monofilament six pseudo rend mm -hmm. um basically that and then if a model is killed by this weapon its unit must take a morale check at the end of the phase so, it's a little weird this is a weird piece of equipment to me yeah. because it's a 18 inch pistol it's clearly meant to go in shoot it as you're about to charge somebody because uh you're not usually within 18 inches yeah but then it forces a morale check and your charge target might Run out run. of charge range. I'm not. I'm not so sure. I'm sold on it. I feel like. I feel like it would have been kind of cool if they'd given this one uh, split fire. Ooh, that would have been cool. Right, because then you your one your one character could be like bang headshot, and then that that unit runs, and then you charge a different unit, the one you actually want to charge at. And then yeah. you've got a pistol, so that's an extra close combat weapon. Uh, so I think there's a little bit of a miss there, but also I can see maybe not wanting to add split fire because it would get. It's special rules get a little more wordy at that point. Yeah. Uh, but and then finally, soul snare, which is the silliest of all of them. It's a one-time use, eight-inch net. It's a net. Strength three, AP two, assault one, blast, instant death. It's a. Uh, it's silly. It's a little grenade of warp spider, warp uh, spider bullets, basically. Yeah. It, it it's kind of cool, I guess. Um, it's okay. It, it can really. Uh, I, I actually like it less for the blast and more for the fact that like if you have 
Pedro Cantor and he's by himself and you need kind of like a last ditch effort to kill him and he's got four wounds but not Eternal Warrior, uh, you just kind of throw this, kind of be like, save or die, Cantor. Ha! Um, but you have to be eight inches away from him, so, you know, if you fail, he'll probably he's just run up to him and kill you. Slap you. Yeah, but slap so, so kind of cheeky. Um, the relics aren't, aren't anything to write home about, in my opinion. No, Except I think for maybe you're, the blind you're usually one. better off sticking to the uh, Harlequin or Dark Eldar or Eldar relics. Yes. Uh, just in general. Especially the Dark Eldar one, who I think have the best relics out of all, of the, all four factions now. Maybe. They have the best relic, at least, in the Webway portal. Webway portal's not a relic, Pablo. Oh, that's even... You just buy that shit. Oh, 35 well... points, slap it on a character, and it's a highway to battle. Mm, I guess you're right. I, I guess I... It is limited <laughs> very restrictively. Only three models in the Codex can buy it. Right. But they're all independent characters. Yes. Yeah. That, that, is, that is the plan. So, so anyway, maybe I was wrong there. Uh, on to the strength from death rule, uh, which is very, very important. So this will be the rule that you and all your buddies will be talking about. Uh, the strength from death rule allows a soul burst action when a unit is completely destroyed within seven inches of one or more non-vehicle units that consist only of models with this special rule so uh, pick one of those units to make a soul burst action you cannot pick a unit that is locked in combat falling back or that has gone to ground uh, which does prevent a lot of really awkward weird shenanigans uh, so kudos on gw's part for writing the rule a unit making a soul burst action can do one of the following even if it has already done so in this turn so and that that doesn't mean even if they've already done a soul burst action, you only get one soul burst action. But right. this means that if you've already charged this turn, shot this turn, and moved this turn, which we're going to obviously, so you can immediately move as if it were your movement phase, right? Uh, which which lends itself to a lot of weird things, because if it were if you were to be able to move as though it were your movement phase, that means you're also naturally able to deploy onto a vehicle, uh, and we'll go into more in this in yeah, the we'll, FAQ we'll... section. But you're allowed right. to move as though it were your movement phase, right? Or you can immediately shoot. Or run or turbo boost, which is which you know, hey, uh, jet bikes. If you if you really need to shoot something and then turbo boost, there you go. That's how you do it. Yep. Uh, you can run or turbo boost as if it were your shooting phase or shoot immediately, which is which I think is very important for George's shenanigans that he's going to get into. I see that he's getting yeah. his list out. And then finally, a unit can immediately make a charge move as if it were your charge subphase. If they do so, enemy units can fire Overwatch as if it were your charge subphase. A unit that makes a charge in the fight subface does so at the end of the current initiative step and once they have once they have charged. The initiative steps continue to resolve as before, including for models in the charging unit. Uh, there's a lot of weird, intricate things in there specifically uh, for initiative steps, for when models die and when they don't die. It's at the end of the initiative step, um, so it's not immediately when models die, so you still have to resolve other attacks, um, which means you might get other soul burst triggers on different units because it's all one initiative step. Uh, it, it's 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 weird. It's an interesting. I, I've been looking at this rule, and I can definitely see it it stacking on top of itself, where soul burst actions trigger more soul burst actions before you're done resolving previous soul burst right. actions. <laughs> I I honestly feel like I'm gonna make a set of cards that I can write each unit's name on and put down on the table like a stack of Magic the Gathering cards, <laughs> where you go here's uh, your stack first in <laughs> first uh, or you go. Uh, last in first out where you make your stack you're like all right this unit activates it oh he killed another one so these two guys go on top of the stack before the next guys get their activation 
And, but, and um, I think that's kind of cool playing back to when you were talking about being uh, about this book promoting sound tactical play. It, it would be really neat for those players who enjoy those kind of cool combos to have uh, through a series of places where you've set your opponent up for this to have one unit trigger another unit which triggers a soul burst unit, which triggers another soul burst unit on a different unit. And then that unit does something that triggers another soul burst unit. Basically, you get a chance to just activate all your units through careful manipulation of moving and your opponent. I'd like to see someone do that. That would be pretty cool. Just a kind of like a checkers chain reaction. So so the joke about soul burst is that this, this rule lets you uh, shoot twice in your shooting phase and once in your opponent's. Um, <laughs> that, yeah, now, that's just, also true. Just, I want to start with a couple of restrictions on Soul Burst that I think are important to mention. Um, first is seven inches is actually not really that far. No, it's hard. Um, it's hard to get within. It's hard seven. to get within seven inches, and even if you build your list to do it, you're going to find yourself short sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, so you need to be very mindful of that. But the other thing is in the wording for this, non or vehicle units can't benefit from Soul Burst, and guys inside vehicles also can't benefit from soldiers. Because they're not on the table. Because they're not GW's on the table. FAQ and right. blah, blah, blah. Consistency, all that sort of thing. Um, so it really tries to emphasize a less uh, mechanized approach where your things are on the table, but you're, you're really invested in everybody dying. You and your opponent, so you can just make as many free soul burst moves as possible. Um, there are some tricks that you can run, and personally, I still think a fair number of vehicles is strong in a Soul Burst list, uh, just because, uh, as, as Pablo alluded, based on what I read, it looks like you can run back into a vehicle at the end if you choose to move like it's the movement phase. Right, that's the way it looks. We don't know, and right. we'll, we'll uh, obviously go into that. We'll right. add that to the list. But anyways, George, you, you have a long list of shenanigans here. I have here. a long list of lovely shenanigans, and, and so... And the key thing is, as I was looking through the list and talking to George, is a lot of it actually works with Eldar, I'm um, Dark Eldar and Harlequin models. Right. Uh, the Eldar because Dark Eldar and Harlequin models die easier. Ah. So, so, in a sense, Eldar Eldar have the better tools to capitalize on Soul Burst from just a raw strength because of their shooting and their mobility, but. Dark Eldar and Harlequins, I think, are more fun with Soul Burst. Well, uh, Dark Eldar and Harlequins, I think, are a little bit better at taking full advantage of it. That is because true. Because they're more in-your-face armies that also have models that will die easier. <laughs> um, which is definitely a bit of a plus and a minus, but I think it's really interesting. Case in point, my favorite shenanigan... Uh, All right, well, so he's going to jump into the shenanigans, start folks. to jump into the shenanigans. And it's going to start with one of my favorite models that unfortunately uh, is hard to justify putting on a table even with this one, and that is the Hellion. Uh, Hellions are notoriously bad due to a series of rulebook changes that made their lives uh, very sad uh, without re points reductions to come through with them. But Hellions have another role in the Codex uh, where they act in a Beastmaster squad as kind of the leader of this pack of beasts. Beastmaster squads are interesting because they act... Uh, it's kind of one of those build-your-beast squad however you like. And one of the common ways you can build a beast squad uh, is just by one Hellion. One Hellion. Just one guy with basically no armor. Uh, he moves really fast. 
He charges very well through terrain. Um, and his job is to stay hidden for a while. And when you want to trigger a soul burst action, get him killed. Uh, there's a lot of fun ways to do that. One of my favorite ways to kill your own models is to run over the wrecks of you or your opponent's vehicles, hunting for that fail on the, uh, on the dangerous terrain test. Um, another fun way is to just charge somebody, anybody. If they overwatch <laughs> you, you'll die. It'll trigger soul burst. You got what you wanted. If they don't overwatch you, you'll charge them. He's made of paper. They'll punch him to death, and then you'll get your soul burst action anyway. That's um, pretty funny. You got to watch out with these guys, though, because it's just bleeding kill points. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's just like handing it over. This is a way to make even the Battle Company player feel like he's definitely in this game still. <laughs> uh, so that's, that's uh, pretty funny. Uh, let's see. What you definitely want to do is really consider the Dark Eldar characters because the Dark Eldar characters are very much a build-your-own-character kind of guy. They generally start with really terrible saves, and you're supposed to buy them shadow fields or interesting armor, or they're supposed to be protected by a dodge save. Um, but what this actually means is you put them out in front of your units, like sacrificial lambs, and you don't buy them armor. And so when a stiff breeze takes a look at your unit, it'll probably kill that character no problem because you're not going to look out through those shots. And as long as the unit behind them doesn't die, it'll trigger Soul Burst in the middle of your opponent's shooting phase, and you'll either get to have that unit run away into someplace safe, better cover, or line of sight blocking terrain, or you can get one last huzzah of shooting your special weapon, or uh, even running to try to provide cover for a different unit. You can charge something. You can even charge something in the middle of their shooting phase. Um Thus so, being it so you can't shoot anymore. Right. Now that's that's interesting. If you resolve you resolve um, weapons one at a time. So so for example, if a storm surge were to shoot at your unit, well, hypothetically, I, yeah. right, and it were to kill your your character, your dark altar character, with the first weapon, boom, it's he's dead. And then you soul burst charge something. Well, I then do you forfeit all your shooting? I mm. don't think. And this is a rules question because I'm not extremely acquainted with storm surge uh with with splitting up your gunfire right but i'll be honest with you if my understanding is that the wounds all happen at the same time otherwise if you lose your feel no pain guy to one gun do you get the feel no pain for the rest of the shots uh no i don't think so huh. uh also you if you for example this is one that happens all the time and, and one of the big reasons why people complain about this role is if you have a flamer and a heavy flamer in your list and you flamer template with one, you lose wounds on the heavy flamer, because flamer the flamer template killed models. Oh. Right. So you can also potentially shoot yourself at out of range. At the same time, oh man, if a storm surge is looking at that unit, it's well kind of toast. The anyway. unit's gonna wanna charge something or run out of the way. I, I I think I think that's really interesting, George. That that you have that, and I think. I don't know what the cheapest single independent character is in the Dark Eldar Codex. Uh, the cheapest one I could find is uh, 60 points for a naked Archon. Right, so that's... And a, a lot of times, uh, I think one of the better things you can do is be that guy, uh, the one with the webway portal that you use to deep strike in. Because mm. once he drops in with that webway portal, he's done his job. And so that unit that's with him got to do their jam. Hopefully they got to do it twice because of Soul Burst. And then on your opponent's turn you can position the 
dark Eldar character to either restrict what your opponent feels comfortable shooting at you with or to um, maximize the chance that he's going to be the one that dies first. Right. And this is actually this is actually something that you can use f- that f- to make any unit optimal um, with the independent character. He's he's essentially a free action silver trigger not free but he's a silver trigger if you play him correctly um, which could be key for like a death star uh or for like a unit of wraith guard or if you want to throw in a deep strike a unit of scat bikes and have them shoot uh, on your opponent's turn he's especially strong in the death star because a lot of times death stars have a lot of independent characters or just characters in general yeah and you can arrange your unit so he's the closest model to all of them so you can look in the lookout sir to him yeah, I like the other thing too. I I don't know, I don't know how if it'd be easy to do, but I do like the fact that if you had this Archon character, um, and you had a way to like kill him through I don't know something, or if your opponent could wanted to shoot him because he was the only one holding an objective or something, and then you had your independent character Death Star, and you split them all off so they were all more than two inches away from each other, but mm-hmm. still within seven inches of the easy to kill independent character. And then you gave them all like a really good shooting attack, or um, so I, or, I or they can all turbo boost. Oh, go on, yeah, sorry. Something like this is on my list. Oh, okay, never mind. Um, I'll stop. And it's it's a good way for uh, Dark Eldar and Harlequin lists. A lot of times will have trouble with with mass vehicles. Right. Harlequins in particular uh, have just a lot of haywire grenades. Dark Eldar can buy them for a lot of units too, and normally you're restricted to one throw per unit. But if you want to get cheeky you can have everybody jump out of the same car, a Raider or a Venom, and have them all jump off in separate units. That way you can throw five Haywire Grenades at something, uh, take the Knight down, and that'll trigger a Soul Burst off of whatever you killed, hopefully. Either you throw more grenades, or you can use your movement to, and this is pending FAQ, but it seems like you should be able to use that movement to run back into the vehicle that you just jumped out of. (laughs) To get back into the safety of your vehicle and no longer be a one-man squad. If that doesn't happen, well, you've got four or five one-man units out. And unless your opponent's got blast templates, don't do this if your opponent has blast templates. Um, If they kill one, the rest of your guys see that and they can be like, I gotta cheese it. And they just run back into the car (laughs) during your opponent's shooting phase to get someplace a little safer. It's very Dark Eldar-esque, by the way. Uh, What I do really like about this is the movement aspect of it feels extremely Dark Eldar-like. We were talking about the formation that came with a whole bunch of different bike squads. And In the net. Yeah, the net. Um, and Reavers are, have decent damage output, but they're paper thin. And if they're not the ones getting the charge, they're dying. But if you bring them on and have them either kill a unit with their shooting or have something else kill a unit near them, it lets you turbo boost them out to someplace safe so they can set up again for next turn. Mm. You can do that with any fast any fast unit in the in the list. And I think it really adds extra value to units with high movement. Um, things like warp spiders who I think aren't exactly optimal in the in, with the yeah. forces of the Inari, but they definitely can use that very well with their big jump when they get to move in the movement phase. Oh, they can move um, 2d6 plus 6. They get 2d6 six. plus 6. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, the uh, Harlequin Solitaire is great because he has that 12-inch jump. And since he's a single model, he's very easy to either hide someplace safe or just throw at something else with a charge because he's the Solitaire and he's going to murder them. Um, 
actual beast packs if you're not just buying one-man units to feed for um, death, to uh, death activations. They are uh, cavalry? They're beasts. They're beasts. So they get to move 12 inches, and they have a really good charge if you want to do charges. And uh, I also really like it with the Dark Eldar Scourges because Scourges have a lot of haywire shots. Scourges, this is actually, I think this... this the. The, uh, the special rule really helps Scourges a lot. It helps Scourges a lot because it changes Scourges from a unit that has one and a half decent guns to a unit that has three. Whereas a lot of times you would see Scourges in the past just with Haywire guns to snipe down vehicles. You can actually run them with Blasters or Heat Lances now. And yeah, you had to get close to kill that tank, but you triggered your Strength from Death and then you got to back up you got to fade away to a safer distance so that's it for part one guys the reason why i'm cutting out there is twofold one because we ended up talking for about three hours on the eldari shenanigans and what you could do with the strength from death roll as well as the rest of the powers and the oathway strike force so oh and we also talked about the what we would ask the gw faq or gw2 faq um so we're going to go ahead and put that in us uh, part two and also the was a little bit of a miscommunication it was completely my fault but only only that only about an hour and 40 minutes recorded uh, and that was just because of their memory on the memory left on the memory card um which like i said was completely my fault so anyways that's it guys thanks for listening if you guys like these part one and part twos which i i personally don't i prefer to keep everything you know in one episode but i also recognize the fact that i don't want to I wouldn't personally want to listen to a podcast for three hours. I would set, I certainly wouldn't want to listen to myself for three hours. Um, but that's, of course, that's not up to me. That's up to you guys. If you guys like this part one and part two format and you'd like to make, to keep that, or if you guys want me to just have longer episodes, if you guys don't mind listening to me for three hours, talk about a book and tactics and strategy and po probably fun stuff, let me know. I'm, I'm interested. I just want to hear what you guys think. Anyways, guys, thanks for listening. Have a good one.